Hello. You're listening to the KGFC Festival Talks podcast. I am your host, Craig Horsley, and we are coming to you from the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema. And we've been running from August 3rd at the UA Midway in uh, Forest Hills, and that's in on Continental Avenue and Queens Boulevard. And we've also had films at the Queens Museum, which is located in the Flushing Meadow Corona Park, home of the 1965 World's Fair, and still home to the iconic Unisphere. Uh, our festival runs till August 12th, and I hope you've all enjoyed this wonderful second year of the Kew Gardens Film Festival. So today, we are talking with the director, Alan Thompson, of a very uh, strong documentary titled This Land. Um, Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Uh, I don't like to talk about the film because I don't want to give any spoilers away, so can you please explain to us what this film's about? Sure. The film This Land is about uh, the examination of pipelines and sort of asking the question, once the pipelines were put in the ground... Is it over? Is it done with? That was sort of the core question that went into it. And with that, we examined three main pipelines in North America, starting in West Texas, uh, the Trans-Pecos Pipeline that went through the Big Bend and into Mexico. Um, So we did a story uh, or a couple stories in West Texas, then Mexico. Um, Then we went to the Dakotas about the Dapple Pipeline, sort of looked at the Standing Rock Reservation, um, the Dapple protests that came out of that, and then we went to northern Alberta, Canada, in Fort McMurray and Fort Mackay, and looked at the Athabasca tar sands and sort of the Keystone pipelines that come from that. Um, and ultimately, we the sort of the main objective was to tell very big stories in microcosms and through the eyes of people who were affected by it personally. Um, so looking at people whose whose home had a pipeline built in their backyard and then telling a much larger story about eminent domain and gas pipelines and then where the gas goes. Um, so that's sort of how we tried to explore uh, the topics in this land. I mean, it was a very interesting, uh, the fact that you were in three different countries and how, um, especially in these days where we're, we're putting tariffs on on our neighbors, mm-hmm. yeah. how interrelated we are in just our regular energy sourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, what was interesting was that we are actually exporting oil to Mexico, right. apparently, through these pipelines. Right. Um, so you traveled to all these different uh, areas on your... You did all the interviewing y- yourself. I did, yes. Yeah. So how long did it take for you to actually do all the interviews? So the interviews, everything was filmed last year uh, during the summer from June to August um, of 2017. So, yeah, like I said, initially we started in West Texas, then went down to Okinawa, Mexico, then went to the Dakotas, and then eventually northern Canada. Uh, so that's how long it took for filming. And then for post-production editing, because <laughs> I edited the film as well, uh, which I kind of regret. But uh, <laughs> uh, that pretty much as soon as we got back from filming in August... We, uh, you know, sort of logged everything, began to ingest all the footage, and then got into editing right away. And I had a rough cut, rough cut done by Thanksgiving of 2017, and then we locked picture right before Christmas, um, just in time for festival season starting so, this year. Yeah. So the film is about uh, an hour long. How many hours of of 
film did you... Oh, my God. (laughs) So much stuff. Uh, And there were so many amazing stories we got that when we sort of stepped back and looked at the entire thing, it was, you know, we kind of thought, ah, what isn't really working? What isn't moving us forward? And then that stuff we just unfortunately had to get rid of. But luckily... um, you know, the film was funded through a nonprofit called Suchi, um, and a lot of their content goes online. So the idea is that if stuff wa- uh, was left out of the, the feature film, it will have a life somewhere online. Right. Yeah. Uh, it covers so many social issues, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very balanced uh, documentary. Thank you. So I'll give, I'll give you credit for that because we know that the, uh, you know, the oil industry does have, you know, some kind of, Everybody has an idea of what the oil industry does, mm-hmm. um, but you were—you also said that basically it's a necessary evil for some of these people. Sure, yeah, and that was—that was one thing we thought about looking at in the film is what people are doing in regards to alternative energy. If they're looking, you know, wind, solar, whatever the alternatives are, but really what we wanted to show is that in the meantime. Like, unless there are a few pockets of people who are solely dedicated to it and really passionate about it, on the whole, uh, in North America, we are addicted to it. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's a necessary evil. What's interesting is that pipelines aren't actually owned by some of the oil companies. You know, the big companies that we look at, there are actually partnerships or limited partnerships that mm-hmm. own the pipelines. Right, right. Um, so, uh, you touched upon the Native American reservations and and how some of these pipelines are going through or even if they're not going through the reservations going very near them mm-hmm. um, how was it to what was your feeling when you went to the to the visit the Native American people well it was interesting we all together in the film visited three reservations um, with the First Nations people of Fort Mackay in northern Alberta Canada uh, they you know, it's interesting, the tar sands brought so much to their economy that they see it as a double-edged sword, that it helped them because they were in poverty for the longest time, and now they can build nice schools, they can build nice, nicer homes, they have power lines that run there. Um, and then going to the two other reservations we visited were the Standing Rock Reservation, obviously because we were talking about DAPL, um, And that was really interesting because, like I said in the beginning, the core question being, um, once something's in the ground, does that mean it's over, was kind of what we wanted to approach. And very much so in Standing Rock, it was not over. Uh, You know, they had so many cases against, like, how the pipes weren't welded well enough. They had, like, physical evidence. Um, They had great lawyers that, I mean, especially... You know, the, the DAPL pipeline was ETP, Energy Transfer Partners, based out of Dallas. And they, their idea was to get it in the ground, and then we'll lawyer up. We'll defend the pipeline with lawyers. And it's interesting to see the Standing Rock Reservation come at them the opposite way and say, well, we have evidence now that maybe it wasn't done the best way, and we have lawyers that are going to prove it. And then the final reservation we visited, also in North Dakota, called Fort Berthold Reservation, um, and that's right in the Bakken region. So it's a reservation that has sold off millions of acres um, to the oil and gas industry, and a lot of the people have profited. Um, but the unfortunate thing is with oil and gas pipelines, 
you know, the spills that happen, if it was a spill that happened near Bismarck or, you know, a capital city or any sort of major city, I mean, it would have been taken care of. It would have been, you know, if it was contaminated any area, uh, it would have been cleaned up. And in Fort Berthold, when we visit the two characters, Lisa and Walter, um, part of the MHA Nation, they take us to a spill site that happened three years ago that is still radioactive. Right. And it's still contaminated, and there's been no effort to clean it up whatsoever. That was quite a trek to that little... That, to that <laughs> it was, yeah. So you had your camera going yeah, it was, down through yeah. woods and possibly yeah. poison ivy, as oh, she yeah. said. <laughs> Myself and the DP, Jaime Puerta, who he filmed everything. He was responsible for, you know, how amazing this land looks. He, uh, we both came out of there covered in ticks with poison ivy. <laughs> so... It was one of those things we felt so good because we knew we got good stuff yeah. from from you know the shoot, but then we were like, man, we are just we need to go wash up. <laughs> and and that individual was so emotional when he saw the the dying tree. It really uh, yeah yeah it shows the heart of the film. Yeah, and you know Lisa and Walter, they're amazing. They are truly uh, the sole people who really on the reservation are standing up. And they actually have a really good uh, initiative called Fort Berthold Energy um, that really tries to hold the oil and gas pipeline business accountable on the reservation. And, you know, that was our first day meeting them. Uh, That was the only day we filmed with them, that little segment. And they were just so welcoming and they had no problems opening up. And it wasn't an act. It wasn't... No. they, They don't do stuff on camera. They never... They don't know the cues. They don't know... It was totally natural and it was lucky that we had yeah. cameras rolling to get their stories so so now you started this film uh when did you come up with the concept of this um it was around the initial dapple uh protests so around 2016 um yeah and then pre-production really rolled in early 2017 so you would come up with this idea you had probably become somewhat emotionally involved in this mm-hmm. And then uh, the Keystone Pipeline is approved mm-hmm. after after Obama had said no. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that? How did that feel? Uh, well, you know, it's not surprising. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. It is unfortunate, um, especially in areas, you know, farmers in Nebraska, uh, people in northern Canada, people that are just really have no say um that is kind of in making this land that is kind of what it taught me to care about the most is the people who you know they don't have a voice they don't have a chance or a platform to say anything and that's really what we tried to do with this is to give people a platform or a voice to really express what they think um and how they feel and i mean it's unfortunate but i hope that I don't know. I mean, there seems to be interesting initiatives to stop it so far. Tiny houses. So. I mean, the, the film in, the, uh, in this environment of really not even some of our administration not even thinking about the environment and actually turning mm-hmm. back regulation, mm-hmm. this is a very important film for people to, 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 to see. Mm-hmm. Where would you most like to see this being shown? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, ideally, I feel if it had some sort of like a something easy and accessible like uh, PBS would be amazing uh, just the reach that they have or somewhere online where it's for free so people can just watch it, consume it um, 
Yeah, because it is interesting. And, you know, one of the things that happens in the film is we have a soundbite from Trump. And he brags about how easy it was to to sign the papers for DAPL to be approved. And he even says, I just closed my eyes and did it. <laughs> and the whole crowd starts laughing and cheering. And it's like, oh, that's what he does. Yes. He just tells it like it is. And he closes so. his eyes and does a lot of things. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so... What, what struck me was the you have some great animation just showing where there are so many pipelines mm-hmm. in, in America right mm-hmm. now. And uh, the thing that I saw that, that came to me after seeing that graphic, I thought of the fires that are happening in California now. Right. And just, I, I mean, I, just the whole idea that the, there are so many more fires going on in this, in this climate, mm-hmm. what happens if one of the fires go near a pipeline. I mean, yeah. and I know yeah. you don't have an answer to that, but it's something that that, that question hit me right. while watching this, this right. film. Because um, it's, it's underground. We don't even know that they're there. Exactly, and it's underground, and it's also not... I mean, these pipelines run thousands of miles. They don't have a person every mile to monitor. Right. Uh, they don't have... They have a lot of systems and, and, and checks in order that oftentimes are like outdated and don't get updated. So if something does happen, they don't know about it until it's too late. Uh, like one example that's shown in the film is in South Dakota earlier earlier this year, no, I'm sorry, late last year yeah. uh, in South Dakota where uh, hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil spilled in South Dakota uh, just started seeping up from the ground and it was because they knew too late. Right. Uh, so they did know, but by the time it took people to get there, it was already. It had destroyed so much land, and also the the uh, aquifers and the the, the, exactly. the the wells and everything like. Absolutely. Uh, what's interesting, and I, when you said, "Oh, if it happened in Bismarck, things would be cleaned up," but then of course mm-hmm. I think of Flint, Michigan. And <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so not necessarily the case, sure. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah sure. Um, but it's it's really an important film uh, that and very well balanced I have to you know so if somebody's looking and saying oh well he's just had one side of the story mm-hmm. and, and disregards it they should not this mm-hmm. is a very very well balanced film oh thank you uh, and enlightening and hopefully it's going to spur some people to actually take some have their voices made heard I certainly hope so uh, there are a lot of people with um, not even I wouldn't even say opinions they've just they've been affected by it so, you know, you could say that you could you could label them easily red or blue or left or right, um, but until like a pipeline is built in your backyard, politics don't matter. Right. So, so uh, you've done other documentaries. What's your next topic? Do you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, the same cinematographer Jaime Porta and I, and myself we filmed a, a short documentary about a migrant family in Fresno, California. Um, and yeah, they, they work in the vineyards in Fresno and it's seven children and they're also in a band. Um, so we sort of look at them as they're in a transition. Their father had just passed. Um, and, and the oldest brother is getting ready to either make the decision of going to the military or pursuing a career in the arts for the family, for the band. Uh, and they play uh, ranchero music, you know, the Mexican yeah. ranchero music, and they're amazing. So it's it's a it's going to be short. It's going to be <laughs> straight to the point, but it's it's exciting. Well, that's 
a monumental choice between military and the arts. So uh, sure. yeah, that's, yeah. that'll be a very interesting character for us to see on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've seen this at other festivals? Your th have. This land has been at other festivals? Yeah, it premiered at the Black Hills Film Festival in South Dakota, uh, where fortunately we were we won Best Documentary, which was very humbling. And, um, and it was great to premiere there in such a sacred place that we have, uh, you know, such a strong Native American presence. Um, so that was very touching. And then uh, three or four weeks ago, it played in West Texas, back in Marfa, Texas. Mm. Uh, so that was very nice because a lot of the people we filmed with came and a lot of the people who were affected that we didn't film or didn't know about came out and it was uh, yeah it was a nice little rallying point for people to get their stories out. Well I'm looking forward to seeing this on the big screen today in, in Forest Hills. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. I, I'm looking forward to your next projects and this was really uh, a wonderful thought-provoking documentary. So thank, thank you so you. much. I appreciate thank it. You. So uh, before we leave, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsors, Blog Talk Radio, for providing an excellent platform for our podcast. This has been a wonderful festival. This is, this is our 36th podcast, our final one for the festival. And um, we've interviewed over close to 50 different filmmakers between the actors, the directors, the writers. Um, we've had web webisodes. Uh, pilots for future TV shows, shorts, documentaries, full-length films. We've talked to people from Germany, London, Australia, and um, our own homegrown uh, people like Alan here, uh, who are doing wonderful documentaries and telling stories that we really all need to know about. Um, I want to thank Altiz also. They're our coffee... Uh, they're our Festival Lounge. They are a coffee shop on Metropolitan Avenue in Kew Gardens. They sell organic tea and coffee, and they've been wonderful uh, hosts for us and our podcast. Um, you've got still have a day to get that ten percent discount if you're a ticket holder or a badge holder. But even after that, come, come, enjoy your uh, coffee and your baked goods here. And as the as this year's festival comes to an end. I still want you all to visit our website, www.qgardensfestivalofcinema.org. That's Q, K-E-W, Gardens, Fest Gardens Festival of Cinema.org. Um, you'll be able to look back at what films we've shown. Um, there are some pictures there. You can also listen to some of these podcasts that we've recorded here. And also, you'll be able to see what's coming up in year three. Um, we want to thank Jason and Brian and Fern and all the other, and Carolyn and all the other people that have uh, made this a wonderful, exciting festival. So this is Craig Corsley signing off. Bye. <laughs>